It's Carter again. Sorry, we had to turn off the tape for a while because we were being followed by... Well, we'll get to that later. Sadie was telling you how we left London, right? So anyway, we followed almost to the weird boat docked by the... Hey! Hi! And hello! Welcome to Into the Riordanverse, a Rick Riordan read-along podcast that focuses on the Rick Riordan books that aren't about everyone's favorite golden child, Percy Percy Jackson. Jackson. This includes Percy Jackson and the Olympians, Heroes of Olympus, and the Trials of Apollo. Today we continue our look into the Cain Chronicles with The Red Pyramid, chapters 5 and 6. We meet the monkey and breakfast with the crocodile. Hey, Hal! How are you doing? I'm... I'm struggling with words today, apparently. (laughs) Aren't we all? I mean, isn't that the hashtag struggle? But the fact that you use hashtag unironically hurts me physically. (laughs) We we gotta stay hip and young for the kids, am I right? Uh, Okay, boomer. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny, speaking of words, before we started recording, I was talking to you about the weird way the French count. Hal, you don't know how the French count, correct? I I do not. So the way the French count, semi-normal, you know, one, two, three, they get to ten, they get to twenty, and then like when you get to thirty, they don't have a word for thirty, they say twenty ten. And then when you get to forty, it's twenty twenty. Twenty twenty ten is fifty, twenty 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 is sixty, twenty 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 ten is seventy. So what you're saying is they're a really big fan of bad movies. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is that the French word for eighty is lit, cause four twenties. I hate you. <laughs> I truly, truly hate you. I should have seen that coming, but I didn't. And I, I'm ashamed now. <laughs> <laughs> you never seen it coming. All right. So this is a read-along podcast, as we said. Hal, what did you think of the name of the chapter, We Meet the Monkey? What did you rate it? This is the best, <laughs> best title for a chapter ever. I actually switched it up this week. I gave this an 8 out of 10. I gave it a 7. Oh my god. Oh my god. You're so bad at this. I... Let's skip ahead a little bit to the next chapter title. What did you give We Eat Breakfast with a Crocodile? I also gave this an 8 out of 10. I gave it a 7 out of 10. I hate my life. You might as well just get used to buying me food now. I I mean, it'll be like our first year of college all over again. Bazinga. Truly. (laughs) I mean, there's still like 50 chapters left. I can maybe win, says the guy who has lost all five rounds or all six rounds. (laughs) I think think we tied one or two, something like that. So I think the current score is six to one. Yeah, you're bad at this game. I really am. All right. So let's start our analysis into this, these two chapters. We start off with We Meet the Monkey. Hal, let's talk about it. Okay. So it starts off quite mundanely. They're like, yeah, we're going to take a boat to New York. This this seems like normal, normal business. We're going on a trip in our favorite rocking ship to New York. And Carter's immediately insecure. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You're not going to comment on that song that I just came up with on the fly? I am totally ignoring it before we get copyrighted. It's parody law, dude. Fair use, am I right? Yes, but I don't like paying people money I don't have, so we're gonna... We're gonna scoot right along. (laughs) But yeah, Carter starts describing type of boat that they're gonna use to get to New York. Basically, this boat is made of paper mache. (laughs) 
Not 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 really, but this this boat this boat is pretty much made out of paper mache. It was basically woven together from coils of plant fiber, like a giant floating rug. And then on top of that, it has fire on the ends. Yeah, because you want your rug boat to have you know fire. I, I don't know about you, but f- uh, rugs are pretty flammable. Truly, paper mache is also flammable. Everything is flammable if you get it hot enough. E- even fire is flammable. I think is that true? Did I just make that up? Probably. I I feel like you just made that up i, I kind of want to google now can you set fire on fire it, no i don't want to because i'm I, I know i'm just gonna get on the weird side of the internet that's arguing about if water is wet and i don't want to i don't want to see it truly for, for 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 the sake of uh and giggles uh how is water wet i'm i'm, I'm not doing this <laughs> I'm not doing this. I know we're gonna have separate answers, and we're not gonna spend an hour debating this. So, oh, there, there, there's a question I'm gonna ask you later that I think we're gonna have separate answers on, but like you're gonna answer it. All right. So they get on the paper mache boat, and there's a little man wearing Amos's black trench coat and hat. The hat is positioned in a way that Carter cannot see the face of the little guy, and the hands and feet were lost in the folds of the coat. Not suspicious at all. I mean, listen, c- considering who this guy is, we're gonna quote unquote learn. Yeah, it's that, that that's mm, that's just suspicious. <laughs> Carter's also th- th- there's a bit of a little soft moment for Carter as he's getting on the boat. He's clutching onto his dad's bag. He's like, yeah, I, I just. I need this comfort. He, he he still can't believe that his dad's gone. And I'm like, dude, just rip off the bandit. Your dad's your dad's uh in, in no good town. Preteens be like, I don't know how to use my emotions. Young adults be like, I don't know how to use my emotions. Old people are like, I don't know how to use my emotions. <laughs> what is an emotion? Can I eat it? Uh, I wish. It, my life would be so much simpler. So as they're getting on, Amos is telling them to take a seat, and Sadie's like, who's the driver? And Amos ignores that question, and he's like, hey, boatsman, steer off. The following scene that's described, where the boat seems to be moving at an astonishing speed, and everything is blurry and dark around them. Hal, have you ever seen the 1960s uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? Yeah. Yeah, that movie is a drug trip. It is. Speaking of drug trip, like, do you remember the tunnel scene straight up after? I I I love the dynamic of that movie. They're like, yeah, the fat German kid died in a river of chocolate. Anyway, who wants to go on my psychedelic boat ride? Truly, that that entire movie was a drug trip. I love it. I haven't seen it in a good while, but it's it is a good movie. Something I do want to comment on is when Carter is describing the sensation of being on this fast boat, and he's describing the tingle in the pit of your stomach when you're on a roller coaster, and it goes into free. I love I like that feeling. I, I don't know about you. Oh, I did I did exactly one roller coaster when I was a kid that didn't go that high and didn't have like free drops like that. Those super tall things that go up into like the clouds and stuff. No, I'll wait for you at the bottom. You have fun. Don't vomit don't vomit in my face, please. Hell, when lockdown is over, would you like to go on, on the Kingdom Ka and Six Flags? Uh, you can go on the Kingdom Ka, and I will be at the bottom waiting for you when you inevitably come off with half of your stomach. You do know what the Kingdom Ka is, right? It's the fastest, tallest roller coaster in Six Flags. Yeah, so I will be there to collect you 
after you have died on the roller coaster, yes. The way that I'm stronger than you and I can force you into the roller coaster. Uh, the way that I will I will yell and scream and make the experience as miserable as possible. And then Carter goes on to describe that the tingling sensation turns into nausea. There's these strange sounds echoing in the darkness, sort of like distant screams and voices whispering in languages Carter doesn't understand. And if I was on a boat and I started hearing that, I'd be like, well, time to swim. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, here's, here's where I die. Here's where I die. This whole concept of having the mythical mode of transportation isn't exactly new for Rick Riordan's books. In the Percy Jackson series, for example, you know that thing we're not supposed to talk about. Of course, they reference it themselves later in the in this in this chapter. So oh, they do. I did. I did. I did note that. Yeah, in the Percy Jackson books, there's the chariots. There's the Pegasus. There's that magical death taxi from the second book. There's shadow traveling. I mean. Uh, the death taxi was the best thing ever. <laughs> yeah, the death taxi, aka any taxi in New York City. Truly, and and I don't mean an Uber. Uber is a flip of a coin. I mean, an actual like yellow cab from New York City. Yeah, the kids don't know what that is. Surely, people still go in the yellow taxis. I mean, they still exist. They're in the city. Uh, the the taxis still exist. I don't think people get in them. Oh my god, I don't want to feel old. <laughs> so all the noises in the fogs dissipate and city lights come back. They notice something familiar to their left: the Chrysler Building and the Empire State Building. Impossible, I said. That's New York. New York, New York. Which I mean, listen. Living in New York and having lived here my whole life, it's, I mean, how, what's the best way to describe New York? The fact that their boat didn't dissipate as soon as they got into New York waters is a miracle. (laughs) The fact that their paper mache boat didn't just instantly disintegrate the second it touched the Hudson, the Hudson River. Oh, I know. This is the East East River. So they're sailing under the Williamsburg Bridge, and they're going towards a huge factory warehouse. And Sadie's like, that's not a mansion. And I love that Carter has a little bit of sass. He's like, her powers of perception are really amazing. Mm. I'm like, you're, you're, you're getting there. You're, you're, you're not quite on Sadie level, but you're getting, you're getting there. And then almost is like, oh yeah, look again. And then both of the kids are freaking out because suddenly it turned into a five-story mansion. Don't you love when your old factory warehouses turn into five-story mansions? A.K.A. how Jeff Bezos lives. You know what? (laughs) You're not wrong. From riches to more riches, he's on his way to becoming the first trillionaire. Oh, God, I don't want to talk about that. (laughs) So almost is like, long story... We, we needed a private location. And Sadie's like, we're on the East Shore. You said something to my grandparents about living on the East Shore. And almost explains that in ancient times, it was considered to be not like good luck, but it was, the East Bank of the Nile River was where the people lived and their dead were buried on the West. So it was considered bad luck and even dangerous to live on the West side of the river. And then we get our next reference to Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Get used to those, by the way. Um, Sadie, Sadie asks why they can't live in Manhattan and almost goes, Man- Manhattan has other problems, other gods. It's best we stay away. Oh, like, I other didn't what? catch that. Yeah. Oh, so he's looking at the Empire State Building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, of course, he's referencing the gods living at the top of this, the top of the building, but... Wow, I, I didn't catch that when I read this. Oh, wow. Okay. Cool. It's weird to think that Amos and, like, the whole Cain family, as we learn later, deals with the Egyptian gods, but he's also like, yeah, the Manha- the the Greek gods, they're over there. They're a bunch of a-holes. Yeah, pretty much. 
Oh, and then the part that freaked me out, he he walks over to the steersman. He plucks off the, the hat and coat to reveal that there was nobody there. <laughs> I was like, oh, our boat was being steered by nothing at all. Lovely. Yeah. All ashore, almost says, and welcome to the 21st Gnome. Gnome, which is... Uh, honestly, I'm glad that this little joke is in here because it gives me a pronunciation guide. Truly. Almost is like, no, no, not gnomes. I hate gnomes. They smell horrible. <laughs> Gnome, as in a district, a region. The term is from ancient times when Egypt was divided into 42 provinces. Today, the system is a little different. We've gone global. The world is divided into 360 gnomes. Egypt, of course, is the first. Greater New York is the 21st. And we're in the 21st century, oh my god. Did you really reference the Ermagerd girl? Maybe. <laughs> How do I, do I need to put you down? You know what's actually something that, uh, now that I say your name out loud, you know what's something we've, we haven't done? Hmm. We haven't introduced ourselves. We, we've recorded two and like a fifth episode and we've never introduced ourselves. We have our little intro, we don't say our names. Wait, we don't. We should probably put that. We should probably put that in the intro. To be honest. No, 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 no. You know what we're gonna do? We're just gonna say our names now and then never again say them again. Cool. So hi, my name is Robert, and I am Hal. I love this little interaction that Sadie has, where she's looking at Carter and like doing the the motion, trying to call almost crazy, and almost without even looking, he's like, "No, Sadie, I'm not crazy. There's just much to learn." <laughs> So we get our introduction to the mansion, and of course, in true mansion fashion, everything is extremely over the top for very little reason. But the really important thing to note is that Carter notes that whenever he looks away from the building, the whole thing tries to disappear. He says, like, I tried I tried it several times just to be sure. If I look away from the mansion from the corner of the of my eye it wasn't there i had to force my eyes to refocus on it and even then it took a lot of willpower so you get a you get a sense that there's something supernatural at work here that or they're just trying to hide from the irs hey hey can i can i get some of that <laughs> yeah the the way that the government takes part of my money every week and then at the end of the year they're like hey so it turns out even after all that money you gave us you owe us more money and if you don't give it to us, our friends, the IRS, will beat you with a baseball bat. <laughs> oh my god. Imagine describing what life is like now to someone from the 60s when, like, the Twilight Zone came out. Mm. Wait, was the Twilight Zone made in Twilight Zone ran in the late 60s, I believe. Like, mid to late 60s. Hmm. I didn't realize it was that old. It's, it's really old. I'm actually going to double check real quick because... I like 59. Holy crap, 1959. Wow. To 1964. Wow, that's oof, that's a lot. Old, old. Um, and then they get to the front entrance and almost is like, hey, Carter, open the door. And Carter's like, how do I do it? And almost is like, think, boy, use your use your head. But he did not want to use his head. <laughs> so he kind of just waves his hand in front of the door and the door opens. And he's like, oh. I have the power. It's like knowing, knowing Sadie. Sadie probably would have went something like open sesame. Open salami. <laughs> 
I hate Mario memes so much. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't even think it's a meme. I think that's something he's like, um, yeah, exactly. the voice actor of Mario. Like, he actually said that for his audition, I believe. Open salami. Oh. Open salami. And then as they try to go in, Muffin, the cat, starts freaking out and clawing Sadie's arms. And Sadie's like, what's that about? And almost is like, oh yeah, my bad. I have to invite the cat. You may enter. And everyone's confused. Like, wait, the cat needs permission? The cat's a vampire. The cat's a vampire. I mean, I just started watching this show on Hulu called uh, What We Do in the Shadows. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard about it. Um, That's the show with Paul Wesley, right? Yes. Yeah, he used, to, he used to be on the Vampire Diaries, where that reference was actually from. Of course, you of course you would watch the Vampire Diaries. Of course, that was a quality show, and I don't appreciate you judging me for it. <laughs> um, and so they walk in, and everyone's like, oh my god, what? And almost is like, yes, this is the Great Room. And we're going to get this giant description of the Great Room. It's a giant four-story room held up with stone pillars engraved in hieroglyphics. Uh, a weird assortment of musical instruments and ancient Egyptian weapons were on the wall. Three levels of balconies ringed the room with rows of doors all looking out on the main area. There was a fireplace big enough to park a car, a gigantic plasma screen TV above the mantle, and leather sofas on either side. They forgot the Egyptian god cards carved into the ceiling. <laughs> The, the funny part is, aside from, like, the tablets or the actual cards, like, the legit cards in the show, if someone tried to, like, make a fake god card, the god would just pop out of the card and, like, yeet them out the window. Truly. And there's also a giant snakeskin rug. Emphasis on giant. It is 40 feet long and 15 feet wide, bigger than any snake. Carter also notes that there's a swimming pool, a dining area, a fire pit, and at the end, at the far end of the Great Room was a set of double doors marked with the Eye of Horus, which is uh, the protection charm he has around his neck, correct? It is. So, and it's, the doors also change with a half dozen padlocks. So, whatever's behind this door is well guarded. And Sadie will probably attempt to break into this room at some point. It would be funny if Amos is like, ah, yes, these ancient strong barriers. Wait, how did you get in? And Sadie <laughs> just holds up a bobby pin. That totally seems, that's totally something she would do. A bobby pin of all things. And then they comment on the real showstopper, which was the gigantic statue in the center of the Great Room. It's a 30-foot tall black marble statue of an Egyptian god, and on it is a hieroglyphic that looks like an Ankh, the Egyptian looped cross with a rectangle traced around its top. And Sadie exclaims, ah, the pear Ankh! And Carter's like, okay, we, we gotta talk. Like, how can you how can you read ancient Egyptian? And she's like, I don't know, but, I mean, it's obvious. That top one, it's shaped like a floor plan of a house. And Carter's like, but it's a box. And she's like, no, 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 it's a house. The bottom picture is the Ankh, the symbol for life. The pear Ankh, the house of life. Which is uh, where they are, I suppose. And almost was like, very good. This is the statue of the only god allowed in the house of life. Carter, do you know him? And Carter's like, all right, so I looked into how this god's name is pronounced. There's two ways. Thoth, to rhyme with moth, or Thoth, to rhyme with oath. Hal, which one do you think sounds better? Thoth, only because I'm, I, was con I was considering, I was more thinking it rhymes with cloth. Thoth, moth, cloth, broth. I can't think of another word that rhymes. <laughs> and Carter's like, yeah, I know him. That's Thoth, the god of knowledge. He invented writing. 
and Sadie comments, why do all these Egyptian gods have animal heads? It's so weird. And Amos is like, they don't normally appear that way. Not in real life. And Carter's like, real life? And he's like, sounds like you've met them in person. And Amos is like, <laughs> <laughs> And then Amos explains that the gods can appear in many forms, usually fully human or fully animal, but sometimes they just can't make it their minds and they come out as a hybrid. But they're they're generally like primordial horses and that's just how they're described, but they're described to represent that they exist in more than one world. I love that he ends his little lecture with, you know, it's asking them, do you understand? And Sadie's like, not even a little. <laughs> and almost, almost, is, almost says, yeah, I'm not surprised. We have much training to do. At any rate, this god Thoth is the founder of the House of Life. And Carter starts asking all these questions like, what is the House of Life? Why is Thoth the only god allowed here? Why? Almost is like, listen, I know you have a lot of questions, but you gotta sleep. <laughs> Like, please, please take a nap. I, I go pop ibuprofen. <laughs> I've been with you kids for like an hour and already I want to shoot myself. <laughs> Say, please stop talking. Please stop talking. I prefer the girl. At least she's sassy. <laughs> yeah, I still, I, I still just like can't get over how dull Carter is. Even Sadie is I just mean, like kicking him in like the future where they're talk, where they're recording, recording the narration, and it's just like it's like, damn, bro, you're you're so boring. Like, can you, can you spice <laughs> it up just just a little bit, please? <laughs> I mean, Hal, if he was a spice, he's flour. No, flour can be used to make some really good chicken. I can't even like. <laughs> no, no, no. Flavored flour can be used to make good chicken. He's just plain flour. Oh, oh damn. That's really dull. <laughs> and then, I, I, th this, these two chapters are just appreciation for Muffin the cat. Because Muffin's in Sadie's arms being like all stretchy and yawning. I'm like, aw, cat. <laughs> the cat's like, I'm, I'm, I'm important. <laughs> Suddenly, Amos claps his hands and says, Khufu! And that is, I looked into how to pronounce it. It's apparently pronounced Khufu. Yeah, and this is this is one of the best things about this entire series. Oh God, I I love I love this description. So Khufu is the the monkey referenced in the title of the chapter, and he is he is a three foot baboon with golden fur, and he comes in wearing an, a Lakers jersey, which is the weirdest out of place reference that you could have made and i am so glad that he made it i wonder if rick likes the L the la lakers i have to actually look that up if he's a fan but we get we get a little bit more description in khufu later and he is just such a eccentric little little guy and i i love him like i want i want him in real life I like that Carter comments that his breath smells like the third best doritos flavor nacho cheese <laughs> See that that's another that's another discussion I'm not gonna get into because I'm I'm not I'm not a Doritos guy, so Hal, as long as we can agree on number one, which is Cool Ranch. Okay. I I can agree on that. Yeah, Cool Ranch is pretty good. That's not even the question I wanted to ask you, but I'm glad we can agree on that. <laughs> so I, I I can agree to that. We're gonna get so much flack for that. <laughs> I will gladly take the hate. Listen, it's Cool Ranch, followed by Spicy Sweet Chili, and then at like a distant 20th place, even though there aren't 20 flavors of Doritos, is nacho cheese. I don't like nacho cheese that much. I'm 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 indifferent because I don't Dorito. 
And I love how instantly Khufu and Carter kind of bond over the Lakers. And Khufu's first reaction is like, yeah, what if um, what if we threw hands on the court? Mm. Well, no, not throw hands. That would mean they fight. How how, how does slang work? Help me. Uh, he wants he wants to cross thy child's ankles. <laughs> or break thy, <laughs> break thy child's ankles. Imagine getting your ankles broken by a baboon. Uh, listen, I used to play basketball when I was a, a teenager, but I, I, I don't think I'd be good enough to fight off against the mythical baboon. And I am, I am a tall black black man, so I am, I am culturally required to have played basketball at some point in my life. Are you good though? I'm decent. I'm, I'm decent, but I don't, I don't be ball. I love how Carter's like, yeah, sure, maybe. And almost just says, listen, Carter, there's a lot you're going to have to get used to. But if you're going to survive and save your dad, you need to get some rest. And Sadie's like, excuse me? Save our father and survive? Can you expand on that? And almost is like, sleep, children, please. Excuse me while I pop half this bottle of ibuprofen and all of this uh, Pinot Grigio. Like Khufu, we take them. <laughs> Khufu is instructed to show them to their rooms, and unfortunately, the Lakers jersey doesn't completely cover his butt. Which is just a, a great, a great character quirk. Almost before Carter and Sadie go to bed, asks Carter for the work bag so he can lock it in the library, and Carter is hesitant because it's the only thing he has left of his dad. Almost promises him that he'll get it back when the time is right. And Carter is like, yeah, you're asking me nicely, but also I feel like if I say no, I'm gonna get crossed by the, by the ape. <laughs> and not on the court, he's just, gonna, he's just gonna like kung fu and instantly knock me to the ground. Kung fu, kung fu. So they go up to the rooms, and Carter starts to describe his room. He has a little kitchenette, all his favorite snacks, there's a TV and a computer and a, st- a stereo system. I mean, this is so 2010. Like not having invisible speakers in the corners of your room. But Hal, this is my big question for you that I alluded to earlier. Is ginger ale an old person soda? Now, before you answer, I want us to answer at the same time. Okay? Okay. So, you know, yes or no in three, two, one. No. Yes. Oh. 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 (laughs) It is. Are you kidding me? It's not an old people drink. It's a sick people drink. There's a difference. It's an old people and a sick people drink. It's just not a, a, a gin, it's ginger ale. So there's different flavors of ginger ale. Have you ever had raspberry ginger ale? Raspberry ginger ale is bomb. Oh my god, I love it. No, you know what's funny? I remember seeing a post on like Twitter of somebody who had um who got that like stronger ginger ale that came out recently, and they're like this is the cure for cancer we need to re- we need to research this i'm like holy crap a stronger ginger ale i have to i have to look into that stronger ginger ale apparently it's stronger carter describes that he has everything stocked all his favorite snacks the kind of toothpaste he uses deodorant everything he even describes the king size bed but he thinks that the ivory headrest is weird uh, because it's something that he had seen in Egyptian tombs. It was decorated with lions and, of course, more hieroglyphics. And the room has a view. You can see the New York Harbor, Manhattan, the Statue of Liberty. With that. Somewhere out there, Percy Jackson is holding hands with Annabeth, as every good Greek boy shall do. Mm. Carter cannot access anything. All the doors are locked and he hears a muffled voice from the next room. And I really love this little interaction they have where Carter and Sadie are talking through the wall and she's scared. 
And for the first time in his life, Carter's like, affection for my sister? Ew. <laughs> Ew. Literally, he's like, I, I love my sister? Ew? <laughs> okay, I guess I gotta I gotta be the stronger sibling and like comfort her through her panic attack she's having. Only I can bully my little sister. Nobody else. <laughs> and I love again. This is the these are the muffin chapters. Uh, Carter describes that he can hear muffin meowing and scampering around in Sadie's room. And I I just want this cat. I love cats so much. You're gonna want this cat more in in a couple of chapters. It gets better. Oh boy! Like slight, slightly not not super spoilery, but slightly spoilery. But the cat becomes so much more important to this entire series, and I just can't wait. I mean, it's not really spoilery when the cat had to be invited into the super magical mansion. But yeah, but the the exact context of why that is and why the cat is important is just like the best thing ever. All right. And with that, we're up to chapter six, Breakfast with a Crocodile. Hal, we already talked about this. I gave it a seven. You gave it an eight. I'm horrible at this. I'm going to end up buying you. Mm. Hal, w- w- what do you want five months I, from I, now? I probably would get I probably would get a hot dog or um chicken kebab. Yes. Oh, I love chicken kebabs. Oh. You know, lockdown is really hitting you hard when you, for a second, think to yourself, ah, yes, greasy water dog, delicious. <laughs> so, oh my god, I, I want to, damn it, uh, you're just, I, I feel you cutting out every time I say truly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I feel you just going back like, okay. I don't cut all of them out, here. I just cut most of them out. Because <laughs> sometimes truly isn't needed. I have to. I have to make this as difficult as possible for you by saying truly every other word. It, 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 it's it's your little catchphrase to say truly, and then it's my catchphrase to punch you in the goddamn throat. Haha, uh-huh, that's not social distancing. Chapter 6 opens up with Rick's favorite trope. Ah, yes, none of my characters can ever have a good night's sleep. I'm resisting the urge to say truly. <laughs> Just say truly. It's fine. Uh, truly. I, I love how Carter gets all nice and comfy in his bed and he starts leaving his body. He's like, well, this is it. I'm dead. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. Otherwise known as the best sleep ever. Have you ever... You know, I this happened to me the other day where I was in my bed, I was falling asleep, and then all of a sudden I woke up like I, I felt like I was falling. No, I commonly have... I have two types of dreams. I either have a dream where it's like an outer body experience where I just explore New York or I have... I have this reoccurring nightmare, a little backstory. I have this recurring nightmare of evil clones of my mom and me, like just breaking into our house and we just have, have like epic fights until we kill one another. How there's this wonderful service. <laughs> it's called it's called therapy. <laughs> I, I I'm the kettle calling the pot black because I also need therapy, but it, there's there's this wonderful person called a therapist. Who you can talk to about your weird? But, but they're not. But they're not like nightmares. They're like epic duels between like evil versions of ourselves. It's great. Like there'll be just be like a random knock on the door, and I'll be like, "Herder, I'm just gonna open the door without looking through the the peephole." And there's like, "Oh, hi, mom. Why are you outside and knocking on the door?" Well, hey, wait a minute. Aren't you sleeping inside? Oh, we must duel. <laughs> I'm. I'm. I am not trained in any way to respond to that <laughs> adequately <laughs> it's 
So let's go back into the chapter. Um, but, Carter but yeah, comments to connect it back. He's sort of having like an outer body experience. It's not really like a dream or anything like that. It's really not because he comments that in, he doesn't dream in color and he can't dream in all five senses. And I'm like, you don't dream in color. I'm I remember when I try to remember my dreams, I kind of remember them in color. Isn't that how you dream? Isn't that how dreams work? Have I been dreaming wrong? Sidebar, just just to go back to my evil clone thing, they're always monochrome. Oh my god. They're always black and white for some reason. Like, everything else will be in color, but the evil clones themselves will be monochrome, so they just stick out. What the f***? I know. <laughs> I'm gonna say that and bleep it, but what the f***? <laughs> I, have, I have weird dreams, okay? Oh god, okay. And then all of a sudden, his like dream spirit starts going through the new york skyline and he flies all the way to what he deems is a desert where we meet our good old pal fiery guy with some of his minions i love sidebar i like that sadie sadie starts calling him carter chicken carter head chicken because he describes himself as his head on top of a chicken's body like a bird's body it's great i love sadie so much i love sadie so much but yeah, basically, fiery, fiery dude is having a conversation with two guys that are completely not human. One is short, squat, and hairless with slimy skin that looks like an amphibian, and the other one was tall and scarecrow skinny with rooster claws instead of feet. So he appropriately calls them toady and rooster-footed guy. And their toady and rooster guy are commenting on how fiery guy can only be here very briefly, and then fiery guy shows up. Uh, my favorite thing is that they're on a mountain called Camelback in Phoenix, and I'm like, they're in a, they're in Arizona. Mm. Why? They're in the only state in the U.S. that doesn't recognize daylight savings time. They don't. They, they don't. You know what's even weirder? Have you ever seen Australia's daylight saving time schedule? I have not. It's weird. Like, look it up after we're done recording. It's just weird. But yeah, they start having they start having classic world domination. The classic trope of the bad guy explaining his plan in front of the good guy without knowing the good guy's there. Truly. So they start referencing he's like, Hey, what happened what's happened to the other four? And Fiery Dude is like, What is already in tune? The second is weak. She will be very easily manipulated. And I'm like, she's probably not going to be that easily manipulated, sadly. I don't know who she is, but if one is already entombed, I imagine the one he's talking about is Julius. Uh, it's, it's kind of sort of gets explained. It's alluded to a bit later in the chapter, but okay, you, yeah, he is referring to Julius, sort of. And then Toadie keeps asking some questions. And he asks too many questions, and the fiery man is like, hey, how about I uh, end your life? What if I turned you into nothing? (laughs) The way that Carter describes it, it's like when cruel kids pour salt on snails. And I'm like, I have seen that. That is, they just dissolve. They turn into nothing. They do. It's it's actually quite cruel. Roosterfoot takes a nervous step back, and Carter's like, dude, run! Why are you still here? He killed your dude! He's probably thinking, can I, if if I ran here, will I get far? <laughs> will I turn into Kentucky Fried Chicken? Mm-hmm. So, the Roosterfoot alludes to some 
form a task or something he can do for the fiery guy and the fiery guy likes it and he's like if you can do it you will be rewarded if not and the rooster footed guy understands that just means snail time yeah either do the thing for me snail or time. uh <laughs> you're dead snail time it's snail time he then tells the rooster footed guy to unleash the forces start with the long necks collect the younglings and bring them to me i want them alive before they have time to learn their powers he's sending ostriches after them he's, he's sending ostriches after them listen if you had to fight against an army of ostriches would you not lose your mind and i should have made the pokemon reference instead what pokemon reference he's just gonna send an army of tropius on them i was thinking they're duos giraffarig dodrio giraffarig Do- dodrio who else has a long neck gyarados's entire body is a neck that's not how bodies work <laughs> it's either his entire body is one long neck or he has no neck there is no in between i hate you so much <laughs> you love me i do <laughs> and then carter wakes up with his heart pounding he's back in his body he feels this fiery heat on him as if the fiery guy was gonna burn him and then he realizes it's a cat the cat's like yeah 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 you're a weirdo <laughs> he's, he's like Mmm-boy. and then for a split second as carter's getting up he starts having no other way to really explain it he just starts having like vietnam flashbacks to everything that's happened to him he gets a bit of ptsd a little bit of ptsd and then there's this voice inside of him that tells him to stop that he doesn't have time for grief and that it sounds weird it's like his voice uh it sounds like a different person older and stronger and that was either a good sign or that he was going crazy foreshadowing foreshadowing <laughs> man that forest casting a, um a really really dark shadow like i know i know i know if you're if you're like perceptive in any way you kind of piece together what's going on here unfortunately i am not perceptive at all they start they start like i said there's based on information you get later in this chapter you can kind of surmise what's happening here hell i i read i read these chapters 20 minutes before we started recording do you think i have any of this memorized Mm -hmm. It's, it's not memorized it's just like hey we read two chapters a week Two weeks ago, we read the introduction. I already forgot everything from the first two chapters. God, yeah. What's, what's the what's the what's the animal that has a really 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 bad memory? Hey, hey Hal, guess what? I don't remember. I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. All right. Um, he's done with his little PTSD moment and starts getting dressed. The cat muffin is sniffing and bumping into the ivory headrest which we later on learn why but carter just takes it as whatever weird cat Mm. he gets dressed but he comments on like the loose style of the clothing in the wardrobe that's been provided for him that it looks almost like what the peasants of egypt would wear uh and the word he says here is uh which is i guess the egyptian word for peasants which I, I don't see a fucking K in there anywhere, but whatever, Egypt. I will now refer to this word as fellahim. This is actually where we get the word for fella, by the way. Is it? To, to like describe a person, like, hey, look at that fella over there. Oh. According to Google, is, it is. That is super random trivia. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know if it's true or not. It's just something I saw on Google briefly. But then we get a, we get a sense that Sadie has, in fact, told Carter to his face that he has no, no style. And then we get another, another, another lesson in in Black Life. 
I mean, yeah. Again, it's the reading of these past four chapters is impeccable timing. Like truly, he asks his father why he's forced to wear such uncomfortable, not stylish clothing, and his father basically says, "You're you're a black man. You're gonna get judged by how you look, and more harshly than most other people will." So. You always have to look your best, which is something my mother has drilled into me nonstop. <laughs> like this is not this is not just a a little one off by a book. This is this is something black parents just go through in general. Yeah. I mean, I, I was about to say it isn't fair, and it's actually something that Carter also says. It's not fair. I like how what Julius says, that fairness does not mean everyone gets the same. Fairness means everyone gets what they need, and the only way to get what you need is to make it happen yourself. And I'm like, that's pretty good advice. Truly. Anyway, upon remembering all this, Carter puts on clothes and starts going downstairs. He comments how the mansion could have easily slept a hundred people, but it felt empty and sad. He goes down and he sees Khufu the baboon sitting on the sofa with a basketball as he's watching ESPN and game highlights from the night before. And he asks Khufu if the Lakers had won the game. Khufu replies by patting his basketball and saying, Og, Og, which is, I guess, ape for, hey, it's time to get crossed. Do you win? <laughs> I love I love that description. It's like, yep, your, your ankles are about to get broken, friend. Are you ready? <laughs> And Carter is like, yeah, we'll play later. I, I I like my ankles as they are now. And he's like, hey, there's a there's a there's a feather in his mouth. <laughs> oh yeah, there are pink feathers in his mouth, which we're gonna learn later what they are. As Carter walks out to the terrace to see Sadie and Amos eating breakfast, he walks into a conversation between the two, and we find out it's Christmas. That messed with me. How is it Christmas? There was no indication in any of the previous chapters that this book takes place on or near Christmas. Um, we get reference. They don't. They don't really specify that because there's there's actually a significance to this time period. Uh, well, I guess we'll find out later what the significance is. But yeah, there is a very big significance of this specific time period that they're going through. So, oh, we almost forgot that he walks in front of the giant statue of Thoth and he swears that the statue's eyes are following him. Which, knowing Percy Jackson land, it probably is watching him. Mm. He also comments how he feels this sudden surge of strength, like he could raise the statue if he wanted to. And then Muffin meows impatiently because she wants food, and Carter, being whipped by a cat as most of us are, says, yeah, that's a stupid idea, let's go get food. Mm. And Carter basically walks into McDonald's. Really, though, French toast, bacon, hot chocolate, or actually, as the intellectuals say, hot chalky. For saying that hurts me. Not physically, but emotionally. Hot chalky. So, they go outside. And almost says to Carter, Merry Christmas. And Carter remembers that he hasn't spent Christmas with his family, with his sister, since they were six years old. That's depressing. A, a little bit. That's about half their lives at this point. Because they're like 13. Yeah, super depressing. I love, I I want this outfit that almost is wearing at the breakfast table where he's wearing a tailor suit made out of blue wool with a matching fedora and his hair was freshly braided with dark blue lapis lazuli even his glasses matched the round lenses were tinted blue a and i'm like oh he's a very attractive man oh my god oh my gods 
Remember, this is Percy Jackson land. Oh my gods. Shut the... Shut up. And then Carter asks Amos, what was Khufu eating? And Amos says, oh yeah, Khufu's very picky. He only eats foods that end in O. Doritos, burritos, flamingos. Just like his best eating habits ever. Carter's like, excuse excuse me, what? And Sadie's like, look, just don't ask. Don't ask. You don't want to know. You don't want to know. Like, she's like, I've, I've, I had this conversation. You really do not want to have this conversation. So just, just let it go. Yes, he eats birds. Move on. <laughs> and so Carter sits down and he starts eating breakfast before he notices that there's something long and pale in the pool. And it's a crocodile. Title drop. Yay. Oh, I forgot we're supposed to clap. Why are we supposed to clap? What happened? What? Isn't that a thing in movies whenever they say the title, they're we're supposed to No! Clap? What? So wait, 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 wait. So in Avengers, you clap when they say Avengers? Like what? No, Endgame. They didn't say the funny part is they didn't say Endgame in Endgame. They said Endgame in Infinity War. Pretty sure they said Endgame in this is the end game now almost informs him that a crocodile is good luck he's albino but please don't mention that he's sensitive and sadie says his name is philip of macedonia macedonia i don't know how to pronounce words i'm pretty sure it's macedonia not macedonia i'm pretty sure language is made up and i don't give a heck language is in fact made up in order to communicate, yes. Here, let me communicate something to you with my language. It's called, I'm going to kick your butt. Okay, good luck with that. <laughs> Amos assures him that the crocodile is harmless to his friends. And Carter is like, okay, so baboon, crocodile, any other pets? And Amos says, visible ones? I don't think so. And Carter is like, oh, so I should back up from everything. Copy. <laughs> and now we're finally starting to get into the heat of things, where Amos is starting to explain some of the hoo-ha that's happening. So if it wasn't painfully obvious beforehand of course egyptian gods are involved in the series about egyptian gods <laughs> <laughs> oh that's that that was funnier if, than it had any if, right if you got to if you got to this chapter and you didn't realize that there was some god stuff going on based on who wrote this series and the series that preceded it then you probably you probably need to what's a nice way of saying that you should you should go go lie down <laughs> <laughs> so almost starts telling them that their dad was trying to summon a god and that unfortunately it worked he was trying to summon Osiris who is the Egyptian god of the dead yes he is also the second king of gods if i remember after ra and here is a nice little call out to rick riordan's other series where amo says that next to the egyptians the greeks and romans were babies and i'm like ah 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 he's mm. referencing it which is true yeah. ancient egypt has been around was around long before rome and, or, and greece were like you know alive it's funny because i think both Greece and Rome conquered parts of Egypt at one point. <laughs> Macedonia is actually a region in Greece and Rome, by the way. I did not know that. It's it's actually it's actually a region that existed in both. The more you know. Yeah, it's part of the the Balkan the Balkan region. And much like the Percy Jackson series, Amos is starting to explain how Egyptian culture is still 
very influential in Western civilization. Look at the pyramid on the dollar bill. Look at the Washington Monument, the world's largest Egyptian obelisk. Egypt is still very much alive. And so, unfortunately, are her gods. Yep. Sounds about right. I love how Carter is trying to be like, there's no such thing as gods. And Car- and almost is like, listen, the Egyptians were bored. Mm-hmm. And, and they had to think about gods, and they had to put a lot of willpower and thought into them. They would not believe in any random imaginary gods. Like, no, if they're going to devote their time to this, they're going to believe in real gods. And not just believe in gods. They're like, hey, what if we summoned them and had ancient Egyptian dual monster cards? I, it's time to die. But in all seriousness, they did use to like summon gods and channel their power for for magical purposes. So he's like, so that would make us magicians. And they're like, yep, we're magicians. Your father was a magician. I'm a magician. And you saw you saw magic for yourself, basically. How? Hmm. You're a wizard, Carter. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. If we if we're not if we're not allowed to directly reference Percy Jackson unless it is referenced in the book, we definitely, definitely, definitely cannot reference Harry Potter. So they're all Egyptians, and yes, hell, I will reference Harry Potter if I so want to. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so Carter's like, but he's an archaeologist, which I was not wrong about a couple of chapters ago. He basically is an archaeologist. There's just specializations within the archaeology umbrella. Yeah, he's he's specifically an Egyptologist. He his study of archaeology is focused on Egypt. So we were both right. I was not wrong, which is the important part. <laughs> I mean, y- you live to be right another day. Truly, but not only is the Kane family a part of. The House of Life, which we get a sense is more of an organization than a place, but also the Fawcett's. <laughs> Amos reveals that that family, the Fawcett family, has not practiced magic for generations until their mother came along. It is a very ancient bloodline. But that's they get a sense for that's why um their the grandparents were not really trusting them. Julius, if they were aware of the supernatural world, they were probably they probably saw something like that happening. So they're like, they're like, you're 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 dangerous, friend. We know because we also dangerous. <laughs> Almost says that they are very dangerous because they're combined by two of the most ancient, powerful magician Egyptian bloodlines, and they are super duper strong. And Carter's like, so you're telling me our parents secretly worshipped animal head gods? And Almost is like, not worship not at all we didn't more like more, more like through hands there we go i used slang correctly i did it hal sure but he knows that that while they're very powerful powerful magical beings they're not divine in the sense that christianity's god is they're more like physical beings or well not physical beings but created entities that have a lot more power than your average mortal and then it's revealed that not only is the Rosetta Stone probably fine, but that Amos is now going to show them some magic. And I love, I love that he just looks at his saucer. He goes, this bitch empty, yeet, and throws it on the floor. He's like, what if I drew a bird in the air and the saucer came back together? And Carter's like, that's not going to work. Oh, it worked. Oh, it worked. So Carter starts going over events that he, he remembered from his past, like the, the gun gunman incident in the lobby. And he's like, 
Oh, that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> He's like, wow, you know, those weird events that I never really gave second thought to, now that I'm giving them second thought, yeah, that was some pretty weird shit. <laughs> He's like, oh, magic. Okay, this makes no sense, and at the same time, perfect sense. And so it's revealed why Julius was trying to summon Osiris. He was trying to bring back their mom from the dead. And that is hyper depressing. Not even like regular depressing. That's like, oh, he's trying to bring his dead wife back. Oh, oh, the dead mother of his children. He's trying to bring her back. Oh, oh. And the kids are like, oh, oh. What I do like, because in a lot of stories and like TV shows and movies, when somebody is trying to bring back somebody from the dead, they're always like, it's impossible. You can't do it. There's these special rules and regulations. And here almost just says point blank. Oh yeah. If your father didn't mess up, he could have probably done it, which sort of gives us a real sense into how powerful Julius was as a magician. Almost is just point blank stating. Yeah. If things didn't go wrong, your dad could have definitely done it. He's like, it would have been super dangerous but you know not not impossible and then this is where we learn a little bit about the fiery guy because that's not osiris it is definitely not osiris almost basically alludes that osiris or julius was trying to channel osiris's power and they sort of bonded with each other which is a bit of foreshadowing if you read in between the lines i can't read between the lines dude <laughs> it's 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 okay it will get explained later but in retrospect it will make a lot more sense and you'll read these lines and you'll be like oh okay i'm blind copy when julius released the spirit the fiery guy in like the second chapter the fiery guy did address him as osiris before locking him away so i mean yeah. i guess they did join together carter is about to go crazy on this guy and sadie's like listen you need to trust him he's gonna help us w what's funny is that amos is trying to be like listen i i can't say more i'm gonna scare you and carter's like too late already scared tell me everything <laughs> it's like i am frightened child already please just you might as well just finish telling me everything and so it is revealed that one of the most important laws for these egyptian magicians issued by someone called chief lector iskander uh in the roman times was to forbid the unleashing of gods or using their power their father had already broken that rule once before and this is the incident that got their mother killed it's not really explained in detail it's just alluded to but yeah it, 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 it very much makes sense that while it might not be impossible summoning a god considering how it went the second time probably went very poorly the first time and it's revealed that the House of Life banished his dad. And that's why, before yesterday in their terms, why Amos couldn't see them or speak to them. That he was forbidden by the house to come anywhere near Julius. But once he found out that Julius was trying to do the same thing again and try and resurrect their mom, he had to step in. We also learned that the House of Life has also been monitoring Julius, which is why Julius was constantly on the move. That's why Carter and him were always moving at random times. I really like how dumb Carter is because there would be times where his dad wakes him up randomly at 3 a.m. being like, hey, let's uh, let's let's transfer hotels. No reason. Just I feel like going to a different hotel. And Carter's like, okay. and definitely do not open my super safe and not special work bag at all. Oh, God, it's Carter. You're so dense. I can't wait for next week when we get our Sadie chapters and she'll be like, yeah, so very dense. Oh. And then we learn that the girl with the knife and the man with the forked beer, they were also magicians from the House of Life. 
and that the kids were very fortunate to have been let go instead of killed like the girl wanted. Looking back, if those two had just killed them, they, they probably would have solved them a lot of lot of heartache. Amos then reveals why they were raised separately, and I do love what Carter says. <clears throat> because the Fawcett's took Dad to court, and Dad lost. And I'm like, you're just throwing your dad under the bus. And it's not even, it's not even just that. It's like, you're, you're super dense. Like, you see what's going on, going on around you, and you think it's because he lost a, co- a court battle. Yeah. <laughs> Amos reveals that they are two very powerful magicians that can't be raised together, because I guess they conflict with each other, as explained by the example of Sadie's sixth birthday party, it's I I I got the sense that based on what he wrote here, it's not so much that they conflicted with each other; it's more like the two of them together amplified each other's powers. Yeah, and they exploded the poor cake. Hal, the cake is a lie. That doesn't that doesn't even make sense here. The cake is a lie. Just making pop culture references. Listen, don't call me out. The cake is an explosive. <laughs> And then Amos is like, well, I got to train you guys properly. I don't care what the house says. I'm doing it. And this will predictably go poorly. The house says you can't train the kids. And Amos says, ah, crazy. I don't remember asking you. Um, uh, and Carter then reveals every all the detail about his dream. And Amos is very interested. And he's like, well, I guess I'm going to Phoenix. Uh, yeah, you guys, um, you guys stay here. And Carter is like, wait, but like in my dream... That guy could have killed me, and almost was like, yeah. There's a reason I put that, um... The headrest. The headrest on your pillow. The headrest on your bed. It's so that you don't enter what's called the dua. It's basically the, it's basically the spirit world for, for Egypt. I mean, l- listen, I just rewatched Avatar again, and when I think spirit world, I just think Iroh vibing in the spirit realm, just chilling, making tea for the other spirits. Korra and Asami making out. I mean, listen, we might not have gotten it in the show, but we got it in the comics. We did it, boys. We Nickelodeon saved the LGBT. No, they didn't. No, no, they didn't. No, no, they didn't. They're sure milking it, though. They're sure milking it, though. Hey, you know how uh, we're a a company that doesn't like the LGBT, but we're going to market the crap out of our canonical lesbian couple? Also, SpongeBob's gay. I'm like, what? Did you hear about that, Hal? I did and i don't know i don't know how to feel when the creator of spongebob said that he's asexual i'm like okay cool that's some good representation and it makes sense he's a sponge i vibe with that and then nickelodeon for pride month this year is like yeah what if we told you spongebob was gay the thing is they didn't even have to change it in order to make it lgbt friendly i'm like asexuality is, is part of that too it's part of that, and it's heavily underrepresented. So, I mean, you you struck gold. You know what I really hate is that ever since uh, the creator of SpongeBob died, Steven Hillenburg, I believe his name was, Nickelodeon has disrespected all of his wishes, and, like, they're making a prequel movie, they're doing this with the LGBT, they're, I mean, I don't... I honestly wish they would just let SpongeBob die. Yeah, same. And then we get a name for the fiery bloke. He's called the Red Lord, or at least almost refers to him in this instance as the red lord we do get a name for him later but that is again a spoiler if you don't read in between the lines i am not reading between the lines hell i am reading the lines that's all i'm doing i am not a popular i am not a popular early 2000s pbs kids show Mm -hmm. and i almost was like well i've heard enough i'm going to phoenix carter and city are like wait what but he beat dad in an instant and like he can kill you and almost is like yeah but you see here i have better magic Mm -hmm. and i love how (laughs) 
my my favorite thing you remember how when you would watch i don't know teenage based shows when you were a kid and they would leave the 13 year old in charge of the 18 year old and you're like wow that's that 13 year old so responsible and then you became an adult and you're like that's just a slightly bigger child watching a smaller child truly instead of that uh amos leaves by saying that muffin the cat is going to guard them and carter's like the cat what almost promises to return that the mansion is protected do not be tricked into opening the door for anyone and whatever you do do not go into the library oh my god almost is so dense specifically sadie why would you ever say something like that to sadie and then he realizes his mistake and he uh eats himself off the building <laughs> but instead of there being a body or a splash at the bottom he just disappeared. So, I mean, he just did that thing from the first Avengers movie where Tony gets yeeted out of the building and he gets put in an Iron Man suit as he's falling down. That was a great scene. That was a great scene. Sadie freaks out. She, wa- she leaps towards the edge only to see there's no one there. Muffin jumps on the railing, insisting that she that the cat gets pet. And now Carter and Sadie are alone in a strange mansion with a baboon, a crocodile, and a weird cat. There's only one thing to do. Go into the secret forbidden library that we were explicitly told not to go into. I love Sadie so much. I'm like, you might as well have said, do not blow up our mansion and then just come back and find the entire thing just in flames. Like, you told her not to do something. Of course she's going to do something. Do it. Do not set my mansion on fire. He comes back later and the mansion's on fire. Like, can you, can, can you be more foolish? And that concludes chapter seven and our reading for this episode. How? What did you think of these chapters? I love we get. I love the characterization that we get. We finally get more in-depth descriptions about the characters and such. What I like is that they finally give. They're finally like, oh yeah, this Carter guy. He's boring. Maybe we should kind of write him a personality. <laughs> this chapter was also very, very heavily focused on the cat, which I mean, it's for this chapter, for these chapters, it's all cutesy cat stuff, but it is telling me in the back of my mind, like, oh yeah, you got to remember the cat's important. They're building up to the importance of the cat. So I'm going to look forward to the next few chapters or the rest of the book delving into why the cat's important. I, I, I love it. Yeah. Overall, these two chapters were pretty good. I like them better than the early chapters. Sadie continues to be awesome. We're finally getting a bit into the meat of bones where we're getting more information. But in Rick Riordan fashion, when we're getting to the good stuff and we're getting a lot of exposition, suddenly someone needs to leave or a new character is interrupting them or the monster of the week is coming to stop them and we have to stop in the middle of our exposition. And I'm like, this is kind of why the reading two chapters a week thing is torture because I keep forgetting how much Rick Riordan can put in two chapters. Mm-hmm. It, it makes it a little more... It, it, I look forward to it a little more every week when I get to read my two chapters. Yeah, we'll get there. Hal, do you have any final words to say about these chapters before we uh, we uh, end our podcast for the day? Not at the moment, no. Time for the credits. The end of another episode, Hal. Can you believe we did it? No, this has all been an elaborate prank. I mean, it sounds like it would be. Anyways, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you like the podcast, please consider leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts. We are available in most podcast distribution apps. If you want to email the show, you can email us at intotheriordanverse at gmail.com. Send us questions, comments, corrections, or heck, even say hi. You can follow this show on Twitter at Riordanversepod. 
R-I-O-R-D-A-N verse pod. I learned how to spell Riordan. Can you believe it how I did it? <laughs> you can follow me personally on Twitter at the damn meme page, damn spelled D-A-M, where I post memes for the other Percy Jackson podcasts. And if you want to follow me on, on social media, nowhere, because social media is a trap. Hal is the same out of the same one out of the two of us who does not have any social media. You know what's funny is that before I started getting involved in the Percy Jackson community, I was gonna delete Twitter, and now I have four Twitters. <laughs> ah, you played yourself. I, I played myself. Well, that's the end of the podcast. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Goodbye. Adios.